Remember Jamie Dornan? Yeah. On my book. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Here he is again. There hey, he is. Hey, Hi, hey, Jamie. We <laughs> everyone and welcome back to once upon a timing your podcast all about well i predicted it and i was right so i win the podcast and i win everything forever so you're welcome world i am a prognosticator i can now read the future beth is a seer mm-hmm. uh she should be worried that rumple will come and kill her for a power he will only use when it's convenient to the plot uh yeah no i even i read the part that Beth predicted, and I, I basically said almost out loud, nailed it, Beth. Good job. Because <laughs> I genuinely didn't clock it. Like, when it first started happening, it made sense when you, you like, made that guess. I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then as it was happening, I'm like, oh, it was all so clear. I forgot. She's a real bully. The kind of bully that spends so much time crafting elaborate schemes. I mean, this is, this. so basically what happens is, uh, the the whole muffins thing. The teacher didn't actually order the muffins. Uh, Violet or Florence or something pretended that uh, she ordered muffins so that so that Granny would go bankrupt. Uh, it's basically the uh, Enchanted Forest version of ordering a bunch of pizzas for somebody's house. Psych. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Girls are mean. These are I I'm feeling like the writer was inspired by uh, Mean Girls because. Oh, Regina George energy so hard. Listen, this, she hits all three markers. Violet in these three chapters does all three things. She girl bosses, she gatekeeps, and she gaslights so hard. <laughs> it's like at one point I'm like, wait a minute. She did hit her with a snowball, right? Wait, what's happening? Why was the snowman there? I was so oddly triggered by the snow tea party scene of just being like, oh my God, this is an unhinged thing a 13-year-old would think to do. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this. so that's where we start. We're, we're reading chapters uh, six, seven, and eight. Um, and we first start... Uh, well, hold on. Hold on. Oh, yes. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Please. Yes. Guys, Beth is... Beth is um, she's a little under the weather. So yeah. just a couple, couple things out of the park. That's Beth. I'm Abby. We are reading Red's Reawakened Tale. Oh my goodness. I just forgot to talk about who we are. Wow. That's we where my brain barreled. is at. Best get I, the first 15 minutes up top is fine. I just wanted to make sure we covered our bases because I am excited to talk about these three chapters too. Yes. Th- me, Beth Elderkin over there. Lovely Abby. Abby, how, how, you, how, how do things go for you Think, in life? Things, things good. Things, things good. It rain outside. Um, I bought cider today. Um, and then off topic that I will not go very far on, but I went to buy my apple cider yesterday and beside it was pumpkin spice flavored apple cider. I don't care if it's good as an apple lover on the side of the apple to in the pumpkin spice apple wars, pumpkin spice flavored apple cider feels like a crime. And I'm mad about it. But there isn't actually any pumpkin in pumpkin spice. Like, I know. It's I just know. cinnamon with extra stuff. Like, I, I bet it would taste good. I'm sure it is. But it's just like, well, what do you like? I like pumpkin spice. What do you like? I like apple. Well, we made pumpkin spice apple. Fl- Stop it. Get out of here. <laughs> because it does. If you read the ingredients, because I have to read all the ingredients because I'm a gluten-free nut job. It doesn't even have, like, it just says, like, apple juice and then, like, natural flavors and then, like, a preservative. I'm like, there's, it's... The natural flavors, like, I I don't even think they're probably natural, but that's a different conversation. Anyway, that's how I'm doing. Yes. I'm doing good. I I actually found a really good non-alcoholic. So I'm not drinking right now because I'm getting ready for a surgery. No big deal, guys. It's a routine thing. Um, But I have to clear my body. Mm, Uh, So I found this really good non-alcoholic spirit that is lemon, cucumber, and a little bit of serrano pepper on the finish. And I made like these non-alcoholic margaritas and non-alcoholic like mules and stuff. And it's good. It's good. The, the brand is called, I think, Amethyst. It, okay. For anybody who doesn't drink but still likes to have a nice adult style beverage or just wants a little break from alcohol, I highly recommend it. It's really good. Listen, I dig a mocktail. I don't mm-hmm. dig mocktails at cocktail prices. 
No. But mocktails nonetheless. Um, <laughs> yes. So that is that is beverage news with Beth and Abby. Yes. Uh, and now and now and now we're going to go into tragedy. We write sins, not tragedy. Well, this this writer writes sins and tragedies in the form of Violet committing sins and tragedies against our poor heroine. What the hell is wrong with this girl? What is I, her deal? I don't know. And I also just like I also don't get Florence like why are you doing this stuff like what like this isn't exactly like a charles mansion situation he's she's not super charismatic what is she getting out of this i don't understand florence's motivation other than just survival yeah same with beatrice because like you know we were talking about how it seemed like beatrice was maybe like secretly nice or secretly liked red that was not happening in this chapter in particular but maybe it's like they're trying to say beatrice i i gotta be honest like i'm really liking the book the and I think Violet is really interesting, but the whole dynamic of the three popular girls as a concept in this book, it feels a little bit out of place. Also, based on the fact that there aren't that many students, like three popular girls who are in charge of everything has a big, big school vibe. Mm-hmm. Like when you have a smaller school, like it's no longer a clique, it's just everyone in class like those are the three girls in class and then red's the other one because it they're in a small little brick schoolhouse it's or whatever it is yeah because half of the girls their age are already married and having babies these are just the ones who haven't done these it are yet. The, these are the leftover spinsters at 16 <laughs> <laughs> so we start at a flashback um three years ago so red is 13 this is probably shortly after her birthday she's gotten the cloak and she has been invited to a christmas lunch in the forest with the three girls violet florence and beatrice and she's like yes i'm gonna get in with the popular girls uh we're gonna wear pink on wednesdays it's gonna be great and uh, she asks Granny uh, for some gooseberry tarts because it's, you know, her specialty. And Granny gives her extras, which I thought was really sweet. You know, Granny looks out for her girl. Um, and then she goes and then um, World War Three happens. OK, so a number of things. First of all, my first note that I wrote down was Christmas tea party. Because Red looks at the setting for... Basically, apparently, this is like, again, they're 13, but apparently Violet has these just known yearly tea parties in the woods in wintertime. And she's like, oh, my God, I can't wait to go. Which, again, this is all very 13-year-olds. She'd be like, oh, my God. She probably had it like once last year. And then they were like, it's so great. We do it all the time. She's like, I have to be invited. So she gets invited. She sees this tea party. Which, as far as I can tell, sounds like it's being, like, a bunch of, like, gnomes are about to come out of the woodwork or something. Like, they're all in little mushrooms. They're like, yeah, it's so <laughs> cute. And she's like, it looks like one of those Christmas tea parties from the storybooks I've read. So she knows what... So Christmas exists in the Enchanted Forest, or is it, it's known about? Is this a different land that it's a holiday that is so prolific it is, it is bled over? This is like a weird point to hammer on, but I just, the word Christmas stuck out to me real hard. Yeah, it feels like it would be like, um, you know, the more older, you know, nature version, um, you know, winter solstice. Yeah. uh, Parent, you know, Père Noël, you know, you know, those kind of things. But yeah, Christmas is associated with Christ. But I, it's obviously an American shorthand for younger kids. So like we get it, but, but yeah, narratively, they wouldn't really have Christmas probably, at least not the way we understand it. It's funny that you say an American shorthand because there's so many points in this chapter that I had to relook up to see if the author was American because so many words stuck out to me Mm. as being slightly British. Um, The Lou. I think at mm. one point she says cod swallop, which I don't know if is specifically like English or like just an old timey word. But there were and then I think and this is later in one of the chapters. But uh, Peter refers to the guys he's playing horseshoes with as those rogues, which is <laughs> hysterical to me as a 16 year old. For some reason, those rogues over there. OK, chill. But anyway, I just Christmas tea party stuck out to me. She shows up. There is a snowman, snow woman, snow girl that has a red dining um, dining room like linen on it. So it's supposed to be a mockery of her. 
Mm-hmm. And then she is then pelted from all directions with snowballs. Muddy snowballs. Muddy snowballs. Covers herself to protect herself. And then once the assault has finished, the girls appear and pretend it didn't happen. Well, it's not like they pre- it's not like it pretended it didn't happen. It's just more like, oh, no, you got dirty. I'm so sorry. Because, like, one thing that I pointed out is later on, Violet says, I don't lie. Technically, it is true. She does not lie. She just refuses to acknowledge her complicity, her responsibility for the truth. She gaslights herself. My God, a bully that goes meta. I've bullied myself into this. Let's go. But yeah, like she says, says, she says like enough fun and games. She says, oh, Red, you're a mess, but we don't mind. Come over here and join us. Like full gaslighting. She's not saying like nothing happened. She's recognizing that something happened, but just basically treating it like it's Red's fault. Like, oh, you came in as kind of a mess. It's okay. We don't mind. And then as it goes, because obviously Red's really upset, she knocks down the snowman and like she's real, she's she's very upset. And the whole time Violet's like, oh, you're kind of not fun. Like, it doesn't seem like you're having a good time. Maybe, maybe, you know, you shouldn't have been asking everybody to be invited if you weren't going to have a good time to be here. Like, I invited you. Like, you asked. And now you're super mad about it. I guess. Toodaloo. Bye. And I was like, that is such, as we see how she acts later, it makes sense. So that like, if she was like, oh, I got invited, but they were mean to me. They'd be like, no, we had a snowball fight and she got mad for no reason. And then kicked over a snowman we built for her and then didn't stay and bring us the food she promised. If anything, Red's the jerk. Like, again, just humongous 5D chess that only a 13-year-old with no time on her, like, with all the time in the world on her hands to be plotting these things. Because I, I don't know. What's the pitch meeting to Florence here? Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to just just start building snow uh, snowballs made of mud. We're going to hit her with them. It's going to be hilarious. Okay. I'm on it, boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I. It's... It's I, I, I what my what I was wondering was what the motivation is like. That's really what we haven't really got a sense of at this point is, is there and that's a good question. Is there any motivation for what these girls are doing to Red? Because as you and I know, as former teenage girls, sometimes teenage girls, they either don't have a reason or they don't know what the reason is or it's just jealousy and they try to, to mask it up as something else. But, like, right now, they're just being horrible to Red. We're just getting the what, and we're not getting any exploration of the why. I do think it's a little bit, it's couched a little bit in Red's POV, because Mm. I think it is something, like, I think I mentioned this before, I do think it is a little bit of jealousy, because we know, we know at least what Red looks like in the show, and anyone, like... Anyone with a shred of self-doubt would not want to stand anywhere near her. Be like, I'm going to need you to be like 10 feet from me. I cannot let my significant other see us stand next to each other. It, it won't work. <laughs> Please. Um, but I also think there's a whole thing where Red's talking about how she prefers to hang out with boys. She likes hanging out with them because they make sense to her. It makes boy motivation make sense. Which, as a former tom- tomboy and... It, uh, like pick me girl I, I get this thinking because it's just like I've n- I didn't learn to socialize with girls properly so I socialized with boys because it made sense and then I was like mm-hmm. real big about I was like oh I'm so great Th- that's not a look that a lot of people like other girls don't like that being like oh, I like get along with boys because they're like way better than like you and if Red's got that attitude because a lot of the time I don't know if you've picked up on this what Red is thinking versus what Red says is often very different. Mm-hmm. And I have to imagine through, I don't know, through no fault of her own, but maybe unconsciously, she is putting together, like, she's doing that, like, Liz Lemon 30 Rock thing where she thinks she's being bullied. But in actuality, she's the bully. <laughs> like, some some weird way, she's actually the, she's actually the bully and the monster. Oh, my God. Um Anyway, I just think it's jealousy and she's got boys' attention because they like hanging out with her. Maybe Mm -hmm. not that they want to date her. And, like, that's – 
I don't know if they need much more motivation than that. I know Violet has a thing for Peter, which is what I think that's probably a big part of it is mm-hmm. that she's jealous about her about Red's relationship with Peter. Oh, for sure. Um, but and so after that, so Red goes home. She she doesn't tell uh, Granny what happens. She, that's kind of a track record with her. She just continually refuses to tell Granny what's happening, which like I get. I, I, it's we, logically you look at it and you're like girl just be honest your granny can help you find a solution be honest with your family but she's a teenager she doesn't quite understand what's happening she probably feels like it's her fault or thinks that she can fix it somehow and so you know and, and a lot of times like when kids are bullied they don't tell their parents you know it's a hard thing to to describe to somebody it is, and I think also sometimes the adult perspective on ch- children being bullied falls on f- doesn't doesn't hit correctly. Um, uh, like I, I say this with all the love in my heart. I love my father. I was bullied very heavily in middle school to the point where I was like coming home crying on a daily basis, and he would just continuously tell me, "He's like, Abby, and Abby, in ten years, you're not going to know these girls' names. You're not going to know them. You're not going to care about them. You're not going to want to, you know." He's like, "It doesn't matter. None of this matters right now." But like, but it mattered then, so like that wasn't comforting to me. Like that was yeah. how he knew to, and it, he he you know he did the he stood up to me to to, to to like the parents and stuff like that. There's a whole story that I could really go into, but it's not. But it was just like moments like that where I'm just like, "This isn't helping. Telling me it'll be better later doesn't make me feel better now because mm-hmm. she told me ah she didn't like my boots and my whole world is ruined because you know it's just." It's hard because you're just so full of all of your emotions. Your body is not big enough to encompass the amount of emotions and hormones that are coursing through your body. So no amount of sane logic or helpful wisdom from someone who has been there is going to cut through that. Yeah. You, yeah. So I get it because I, I would imagine Granny had in a, in a different been, been like, what? Why would they do that? Why, why don't you go confront them and ask them? And she's like, I can't confront them. They'll hit me with more snowballs. No. I can't tell them that I, that I can't ask them because then they'll know I have a problem with it. And that I, you know, and then they won't like me anymore. One other thing very interesting happens in the section where uh, Red asks Granny, um, you know, if she could get like a friendship spell. She's joking around, but Granny like takes it really serious. And he's like, no, 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 no spell, no friendship spell. And then uh, goes into this long thing with about the wizard coat and all. And she says the words, all magic comes, magic always comes to the price. And so I don't know if this is me making a prediction or me just forgetting that this is something explained in the show. But I think that the wizard is Rumple, The wizard. Oh, that gave, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um. Well, and so I agree with you that that's foreshadowing. You, we want to hear my prediction. Mm. so later in this like after we do this scene mm-hmm. um and we also get by the way in this a little more foreshadowing of the fact that when red is walking home she is feeding the gooseberry pies or tarts or whatever they were to the animals in the forest and they're all best friends with her mm-hmm. this stops happening um so we we jump to the future she's going to violet's house because she has to ask for milk mm-hmm. and we meet all i can imagine we keep talking about mean girls all i can imagine is that Violet's mom is Amy Poehler in Mean Girls. Like she's in a pink tracksuit. Like, oh my precious baby. Yes. Mm, we'll get you some milk. Oh no, honey. You don't need to pay. While she's getting the milk, while the while the mother who is clueless about her daughter goes and gets um goes and gets the milk. And there's like a mysterious piano being played in the background. Uh Violet makes some comment. She's like, Oh yeah, Peter has asked to be the first dance. For me at the forget me not dance and what and she said da, 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 and then he said that after he kissed me and then she kind of makes a silly little comment about he must have just gotten caught in my spell and then like red notices that she grins after she says it oh i'm wondering if violet decided to get a little big for her britches and seek Ooh. out a witch in the woods or a, a, a helpful wizard with gold weird skin and then bullied oh. him <laughs> into giving her something. <laughs> oh, God. I, 
She played 5D chess to the point where he didn't actually make a deal. He just gave her whatever she wanted so she would go away. The the downfall of any dark one has got to be a 13-year-old, or, or I'm sorry, a 16-year-old with zero shits to give. <laughs> she's just, she's just, I'm here for this. Oh my God. Why does your face look like that? Does it always look like that? Are you okay? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, see what I would have give what I would give to see one scene of Robert Carlyle as Rumpelstiltskin with with Violet the the bitchy teenage girl. I just want to see it now. Like I can envision it in my head, and I want it. I want it yeah. in my life. He just gives her something to get her out the door because he's about to burst into tears. Yeah. <laughs> Teenage girls, they know how to cut. They will deep. get right to the heart of the matter. Like I I mean, just they will zero in on any weakness mm-hmm. you have. I swear, mm-hmm. send them into any sort of war negotiations. You'll win every time. <laughs> so I actually hadn't thought about that, that there could be magic involved. But that kind of makes sense, especially the weird way that Peter uh responds when yeah. red asks him about the dance he's like well yeah it was and he doesn't explain it he doesn't justify it. he kind of seems a little bit dazed so i didn't put those pieces together but abby i think you're on to something maybe the price that she has to pay for the magic she uses is red <laughs> red, <laughs> red is the price she paid like it's a really big uh so there's a couple of things that i guess i didn't quite understand mm-hmm. was so when Violet was in the room, like they were talking, she at one point crosses the room and opens a window in like, for some reason, is there, was there a reason? Like, is it just like something that Red notices that she does? Cause she's like, yeah. oh, she opened a window maybe. And Red says to let out the stench of her lie. But that's not what it is. Why does she open the window? I don't. I'm guessing it was a passive aggressive thing about Red implying that Red is stinking up her house. But mm. it could also be an indication of something bigger. Or it could just be she was just doing shit. I don't know. But that's the the my first response was, Oh, Violet is is giving an indication to Red that she is not welcome in her home. But like, oh, gotta get the stink out. What just it just starts smelling in here like I don't know, man. It's just, it, it, it smells. Do you smell that? Do you, do you smell it like, all the time? It smells like wet dog in here. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Red, are you wearing your boots on the white carpet? <gasps> <laughs> uh, so she gets the milk from, uh, from Violet's mom, who... After her and her mom play the most gaslighty of gaslight scenes in all of history, where Red is trying to tell the mom, your daughter is a nightmare. And like, this was my favorite where she goes, um, when, uh, Red tells Violet and you played a part in it as well, Violet. And then she chuckled again. I sure did mother. I tried to put the cake back together using my own two hands. Technically, she did. Yeah, she's not lying. Again, yeah, she's not lying. I hope, I hope, if every fiber of my being that this level of BS would not fly with me. I just, I want to be able to cut through stuff like that. Like, I would worry that you're like, I get it. It's her daughter. It's her precious baby girl. You gotta know, like, oh yes, mother, I put it together with my own bare hands. You did. You did. You won't help with the chores, but you did that? Okay. <laughs> sure, Violet. Go to your room. I don't even know why. Go to your room. <laughs> and Violet's mom refuses to accept money because as Violet has put, you know, it's it's implied that Violet's been gossiping about uh, Granny being poor and also being crazy. So there's some stuff going on. And Red gets very upset to the point where she just leaves the money outside on the front porch and is like, F you guys, here's the money. And then she drops the milk anyway. Oh, I knew it too. I was like, okay, this is the part where we spill it everywhere. Fantastic. Because she goes into the forest. Mm-hmm. She, what she hears first is the deafening silence of no creatures. Mm-hmm. Huh. Wonder why that would be. Yeah. Why would all of the creatures fall silent? It's almost as if they all left. 
Yeah, when maybe you... because an apex predator has entered <laughs> the forest. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Red hears like footsteps. She, d- I, I guess I didn't gather this. Did she actually see a wolf or did she think she sees a wolf? Mm. She says, I turned just a hair and spotted a pair, that rhymed, of huge amber colored eyes. They had to belong to a wolf and suddenly my blood ran cold. The eyes gleamed at me from the hollow between a towering spruce and a tangle of shrubs. So she did see eyes, but she saw eyes. It's not saying there were eyes. It's saying that's what she saw. So I think. I think the answer is we kind of don't know. Okay, so she got a little spooked, but then she also hears someone approach, someone or something approaching. Mm-hmm. She's like, "This is it. This is the wolf's time. It, it I've, I've attracted them with my, my milk, and uh, the jar of milk. I'm sorry. Um, and she hears Granny being like, "You have to hide. You cannot run." <laughs> this. This was a fun scene for me. I really enjoyed this because she wrote it or it's written in such a great teenager way mm-hmm. because it's, she needs to do what she, she knows what she's supposed to be doing, but she's fighting the instinct to do the thing she was told not to do. So she does run, but then she runs and hides. But before doing that, she has a, I'm so sorry, Gran. Oh, those are terrible last words to put into the wind that'll hopefully get for granny. I know. Okay. I love you, Gran. Okay. Those are much better last words. Amazing. I can leave now. All the melodrama in the world still sitting there. It's like, what will my last words be? Oh, I don't say I love you enough. Run. It's like, girl, get moving. <laughs> Start going. Uh, she does. She finds a tree. She curls herself up into her cloak. Mm-hmm. And as she's starting to have some sort of existential crisis about whether or not Granny lied to her about the cloak, she was like, oh, my God. What if it's just a cloak? What if she just lied to me to make me think that I'm safe? Oh, my God. Am I an idiot? Is this just a regular cloak? Did she make this? Is there no wizard? Oh, no. What if she's in on... If she would have kept going, she would have done that thing. I don't know if you ever got bullied to this point where you drill down deep enough that it's all a plot by your bully. No matter what it is. Really? Every, Every bad thing that's ever happened to you or anything good that's happening to you is a plot. It's like, oh, my God she's in on it with violet they made up this cloak they're probably laughing about it now that took me years to shake the first guy i dated in high school i said no to him three times because i thought it was a joke it's like no no one would want to date me i'm so weird and odd who would want to date me obviously this is some sort of plot i don't know what kind of carrie-esque plot (laughs) i thought that this young gentleman was trying to pull on me (laughs) yeah no it's you can bully people into breaking them, guys. I don't know if that's news to anyone, but yeah. If they would have let her go long enough, I think she would have drilled down to, this is all to make fun of me. But she doesn't because Peter appears. Mm-hmm. Because apparently he decided to chase her through the woods. Yeah, because he found her necklace and wanted to give it back to her. And he had spotted her cloak in the woods and decided to run after her. And I'm sorry, Peter. You don't just run after a girl in the woods, especially in Wolf's time. Like, I'm sorry. You don't do this. Like, of course, she's going to freak the F out. Dude, what are you thinking? But she does kind of get a little, um, a coquettish. She gets a little flirtatious and she's like, can you put the necklace on? And then, oh, no, I dropped my milk. And then he touches her butt and she's like, he touched my butt. I'm sorry, but she calls it her bottom. She does call it her bottom. <laughs> and it just makes me laugh because, like, I don't know, in 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 comparison to the terrible smutty things TikTok has recommended that I read, and they just use the coarsest language. Language I'm upset, like, reading sometimes. You're like, oh, this is graphic. And then it's just like, oh, my God, he touched my bottom. Because <laughs> I thought we were going to get some sort of pride and prejudice. He touched my hand. And he's flexing his hand like, oh, my goodness. No, he touched he touched her bottom. And it, I do have a seven-year-old, so I've seen these movies a thousand times. But it also, bottom, I hear it in the minion voice <laughs> with just bottom. <laughs> like, oh, no. It's, it's a curse. It's a curse. But, like, you know, as a 16-year-old, like, accidentally touching the bottom is, you know, like, when you're young and naive, like, that's, like, a thing. I mean, like, I'll, I'll say for myself, like, with my first boyfriend before we started dating, 
uh, like we had gone and we were like hanging out somewhere and um, he helped me. I was sitting on a tree and he helped me get down and it was like, oh my God, he touched my hip. He touched me. He like, he put his hands on me. And then, and then Abby. Oh no. No, no, no. This is one of, this is one of the funniest things that's ever happened in my life because it's lasted so long and it, I, I can't figure out how to make it go away. So, so we, we basically like when I went out with this, this guy, my first, you know, nothing happened. Like we mm-hmm. were just walking around, hanging out. But then I got poison ivy on my back and like on my naked back and um, on like my mouth or something. And then he had some on his hand. So for the longest time, my whole family assumed that we'd been like making out or something in the because we were in the woods hanging out. Nothing had happened. And I could not convince them for years. And I still don't I think they still don't believe me. It's, it's like you're going to be on your deathbed being like, yeah. we did. We did over the pants stuff in the woods. You can. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't. <laughs> I, it, it was full. Like I was full red. Like, you know, like, oh, my God. I love stories like that. See, this is why so many stories are set in like high school and mm-hmm. like early college stuff is because there is never like. It's almost the time when, like, the most intense, like, you can feel intense feelings, like, when you're older. Like, I'm not saying that. But it's new. Mm-hmm. It's brand new. You don't know what to do with yourself. You don't know how anything is at all. Okay? Like, I like that this has just turned into you and I unpacking our teenage years. Um, <laughs> the first time I kissed a boy, I'm going to admit this, or I'm going to put this on the air. So, on the air. The, on, on, in, in a five minutes. We were kissing and I went, I don't know what I'm doing. Cause it all happened before. I wasn't prepared for it. We started kissing and I'm like, I've never kissed a boy before. Oh my God. What do I do? Beth. So there's an episode of seventh heaven with Go Lance on. Bass. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> he kisses the middle daughter on like a park bench and they moved their heads a bunch like they kept rearranging and i was like that's what you do when you kiss you have to like keep moving your head <laughs> that's all i was thinking I'm like okay that's how you kiss you have to be in a <laughs> you have to be in a constant state of motion it took him a while to admit that what that first kiss was super weird to him because he was like you wouldn't stop moving and i'm like Oh. Lance Bass oh. on Seventh Heaven taught me everything I needed to know. Oh, Abby, he's gay. <laughs> but they might be touring again, Beth. It's okay. Well, we have both we both had first kiss of kisses eventually, but Red has not, and oh, she poor, wants poor she wants to she wants to kiss him. She wants to kiss him, and she wants Violet to stop stealing her man, and she wants to, um, but then she also says at one point, I would never actually kiss you, and I'm like, girl, that's oh, not what she's, no. she, she does it. it. She comes out of that little hollow that she's hiding in, and she's like, oh, Peter, and he's like, oh, man, I was trying to catch you. I thought I'd never catch you. And she's like, if I knew it was you chasing me, I wouldn't have let you. Like, you came out swinging. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> what's up? Oh, I love this. Because, um, yeah, she's got a little bite to her. And that's what that's what she does later, too. And she, he drops her off. Like, she's, like, holding on to him. Like, he puts her on the horse. And they, he goes and gets her, um, gets her milk. The little boys are laughing. And she's like, I'd never kiss you. Gross. And they're like, oh, it's so funny. They ride back. And she's like, you got to drop me off around the block. Because if Granny sees you dropping me off, she's going to freak out. <laughs> and, she, and he's like, oh, okay, that's fair. Drops her off. She goes in. Granny's like, where have you been? She kind of explains where she's been. He's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Help me with wolf's time. Because we have to barricade everything. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then she has a dream. A terrifying dream with 
a very well-written line that I wanted to read out because I thought it was really good. Yes. She says, my body bows and and twists until I hear the noise of a twig breaking. Twigs seem to be snapping all around me and inside me. Twigs, branches, bones. That's really evocative. Like, that's good writing. That's amazing. There's there's a lot of really... The way that Red is written, the way that her thoughts work, and then these, like, italicized dream moments mm-hmm. are great. I really, I really love these. And it took me a second to kind of... I read it a second time because I'm like, nothing happened. Why did we read this? And I read it again and went, oh, okay, okay. I catch what's happening. Because werewolves... I love werewolf stories so much. I've all, I've read a, th- a bajillion of them. Transformation has always been my favorite part. Like, that's mm-hmm. how I can judge a good werewolf story. Like, is it werewolves because you like werewolves and lore and all that other stuff? Or is it werewolves because you just need werewolves? Which is why Twilight is we want werewolves just because there's werewolves. Transition doesn't hurt. It happens real quick. It's just because they're not actually werewolves. They're just, uh, they're, they're, um, they're shapeshifters. But that's not the point. But, like, re- real werewolf transformation hurts a bunch. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, because you're, you're changing your whole physiology. There's, like, isn't it Teen Wolf? Like, the original Teen Wolf with, like, Michael J. Fox. There's this awful real effect of him, like, transforming. It makes my skin itch. It's, like, terrible 80s quality. But it's one of those, like, that's what it should be. It should, like, it should hurt. It's, you're not supposed to be doing this. This is a curse being mm-hmm. a werewolf is a curse, so it's like it should hurt. And the fact that her bones are breaking, uh, I don't, uh, it, I don't know. I I took that as transit. I took that as uh, her transitioning. Yes. I understand like that maybe it's other things that are going on, but like maybe it's what's going on, like what she does. Well, I mean, it sounds like she like she was dreaming, but she was actually a werewolf in the night. No. Like something yeah, like yeah, shit yeah. happened, and. I just I really like the 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 evocative nature of that section. And one thing I really am really admiring about the way that the story is written is there's a real sense of discovery. Like mm-hmm. Red is is discovering things about herself in more ways than one. And I think the writer is doing a really good job of putting us in that teen girl point of view of discovering like discovering what it means to be herself discovering her feelings for this boy discovering this new power that she has as a wolf and as a person and as an adult and as a woman i just i'm i'm very much admiring in a ya novel i think it's very relatable for for young for young people i do too i i like i've always liked the analogy of what being werewolves are and i think that this is doing a good service to to that yeah even though their hands were tied a little bit with the show's lore with werewolfing I'm not sure yeah. it was as fleshed out as it maybe needed to be but working really well especially with just the absolute scraps of what red story actually is most everything else is just filling in the blanks so like this is doing a really good job of pulling together very small bits of information to flesh out a real story respect yeah i think the the one caveat it's kind of following up on what you said is that in the show the werewolf transformation isn't big and and, and painful and bloody and like it literally happens she puts on the hood and it goes away like the cgi goes away or like when she turns into the wolf to 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 give dorothy a piggyback ride uh she just does it instantly like maybe and maybe as you get older you know you learn to to deal with transition better again i'm not a huge werewolf lore fan so Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Abby. I mean, it's oh fine. my god! I'm sorry. Why don't you like all the same things that I like? <laughs> Here's a snowman. Want to join me for a Christmas tea picnic? Yes, I show up with three shields on my arm. Let's go. <laughs> I've done this before. 
Well, Red wakes up from her her disturbing dream uh, to a disturbing reality. There is a wolf's print outside of her door in front of the chicken coop, and all the chickens are dead. No. But it's okay, Abby, because the, they're gonna sell they're gonna sell these yeah. muffins and make so much money yeah. from the sale of these muffins that they're selling mm-hmm. that. They'll yeah. be able to get more chickens, so it's yep. all gonna and be they, okay. They, she does. She goes and she sells all the, the all the all the all the muffins to her teacher, and her teacher's like, "Wow, these are the greatest muffins ever! I'm actually gonna give you way more money." Mm-hmm. And so they buy the chickens, and they're actually able then to move to a different place <laughs> and cure her of her wolf's time problem. The end, guys. We did it. <laughs> yeah, good book, you guys. Oh, also, she marries Peter. Hooray! Yay! <laughs> Peter lives! Yay! <laughs> Peter and the wolf. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, but no, sadly, that is not what happens. Red brings all the muffins to school, and the teacher's like, these are great, but I did not um, order these at all. Um, so you're going to have to take them back. And Red doesn't really know what to do, so she... And she realizes pretty quickly what happened. Like, Violet is being very workaround, but obviously we know what the situation is. And Red, in response in defiance, like, just starts giving all the muffins away and uses it as advertising. Because she's yeah. like, they're not going to break me. And, you know, while that not, may not necessarily solve the money issues... It does work because then the teacher's like, this is a freaking delicious muffin. Make my wedding cake. And this is very similar skills, making a muffin versus making a detailed wedding cake. I mean, Granny can do it. Oh, no, I I know she is. But I I love the idea of being like, oh, my God, this blueberry muffin is so fantastic. Will you make a three-tier wedding cake for me for next week? Um, I do like this. And what happens because i was like reading i'm like oh this is the perfect thing this is again just to harken back to advice my my father lovingly gave me in my bullied years he just kept telling me not to let them see that it bothered me Mm -hmm. because that would just deflate them it does eventually but you have to be able to weather the storm Mm -hmm. because that's what red does red says she is not gonna she's not gonna break in front of these girls so she is going to be like guys guess what free muffins there was some sort of mix them up i don't know what happened but i'm gonna give away all these these muffins for free grammy's gonna or granny's gonna get all these this business it's gonna be amazing oh no violet this is exactly why i came here no big deal it's fine and that's great because it makes violet matter and then there's a retaliation and then red doesn't react again Mm-hmm. Like, it's just one of those, she has to, she, you have to push through that. That's the rest of that advice. You can't react and you can't react for a while because eventually they'll just get bored. Because if you're not going to react, it's whatever. But like, it's whatever. So she does this, they get the cake. I think at one point she has a conversation with Peter who like gets the muffin. I don't remember. I didn't write it down. I don't know if it's this conversation or when they went and got the milk that Peter admits that he saw her silhouette through her window and Red's like, oh my God, I was naked. Oh, that was, oh, that was poop. earlier. My that was when, that's my when bottom. he touched, that's when he touched the bottom. It was right around that time. There was some flirtation going on. No, what happens in this scene, which is also kind of weird and creepy is um, Red hands him a muffin without realizing that she'd already eaten the top of the muffin. And so she's like, oh, let me get you a full muffin. And he's like, no, I want that one. So he wants the one that has her saliva all over it, which is very weird. <laughs> but also Listen, teenage boys are stupid. Te- everyone's stupid. Teenage Because she's just like, oh, okay. Oh, I should have worn better lipstick. I, I am obsessed with teenagers flirting because it's always just like, I don't know. I'm imagining, like, when I was a teenager, being like, I nailed all of this. It's amazing. And then just looking back going, oh, no. Oh, why did we say these things to each other? Why Why are 15-year-olds allowed to be in public speaking? Oh, Lord. And we get a little hint that Red is ready for action because there's poop in her. There's poop in her basket. Florence put the poop in the basket. And so she's mad and she says, I didn't know how, but I wanted Violet to suffer for what she'd done to my grandmother. I think that also relates to this moment. And I think it's going to come into play in the future. She's, she's going to start planning something, I think. So 
just on the note of the the manure in the basket. So what happens is is that Florence gets up twenty minutes before class ends and leaves to go like I don't know, bare hand put a bunch of poop in a basket full of muffins. I hope this girl was just like, I can't ruin all these muffins. She's just like shoving them all in her dress. <laughs> like, <laughs> I must keep all these muffins. Um, but then shoved, like, again, this is, this is why I, I don't know. It made me laugh that Violet is such a influential person that not only does she not do this herself, she convinces a young woman to, to bare hand cow, pig, or horse manure and put it into a basket on a bathroom break. Did she write her a note? Hey, Florence. Yeah, psst, psst, Florence, Florence, here's a, here's a note. It's like tied up like the little football like that you did when you passed notes. You open it up the little origami and it's just like, Florence, leave for a bathroom break and shove a bunch, shove a bunch of poop in the basket. Like, what's this note? What is the note? There's a heart, Florence, heart, Violet. <laughs> L-O- I don't know. You'll see... I actually don't think Violet instigated this. I don't think Violet. Yeah. I think that everything we've seen about Florence is that she is, she's more aggressive than Violet because she doesn't have the same subtleties that Violet does. And she's very eager for Violet's approval. So I think that, I don't think Violet would have done something like this or sanctioned something like this. This is not Violet's style. Violet is okay, much more of a rapier as opposed to a blunt axe. I was going to say, yeah, she's more nuanced where I, I guess I would say that Florence would be a more of a ham-fisted approach of just being mm-hmm. like, I will. she'd be the kind of bully that would push you into the mud. Like in full view of everyone to be like, I pushed her into the mud. Isn't this funny? As yeah. opposed to Violet who would somehow orchestrate a way to get her to trip when no one was looking. And then just be like, oh, I tried to help her because she did. But then like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. I get it, I get it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unclear, but the we don't actually see Violet take, like, like oh, glow yeah, on this. I just assumed, I just assumed. Interesting. Okay. Um, I buy but, that. And then we end on Peter coming back with uh, Red and he, he, he reveals that uh, he is going to dance with Violet, the first dance at the Forget-Me-Not Ball. And he says, Peter pinched the bridge of his nose. It looked as though he wanted to say something more. He didn't. And really, what else could he say? He's bewitched. There's a curse on him. It's a curse. It's a curse. I do like one of the lines that he has. So there's a lot of like Mm -hmm. random references to the king. In yeah. these couple of chapters. Um, one, Granny, not a fan of him at all. No, no. Because <laughs> he, he, he hasn't invited her to bring her cupcakes. Uh, because he's too busy being up on his high horse. Yeah. To deal. Anyway, I just love that. But he he comes up to Red and Red is washing her basket in the creek. <laughs> and he says, oh, did the king institute some sort of like all food carriers must be clean law and she's like no i just you know rinsing it off i'm like first of all are you asking if the king put the fda in place (laughs) and also are you cool eating from unclean sources oh lord (laughs) guys you're gonna get cholera uh and so anyway yeah i just like that did the king put some sort of law in which things have to be clean disgusting that man has so much overreach (laughs) We're, no more taxes. Yeah, no more taxes. No more, no taxes. more regulations. Tell me what want, I go do with my body. Yeah, I don't want taxes. The basket that my food comes in should be filthy as sin. We shouldn't be washing anything. It should look like a TikToker's air fryer. Oh my god, have you seen people who cook stuff in their air fryer on TikTok? They don't clean those things. It's repulsive. Guys, oh. clean your air fryers, please. Oh my god, that sounds awful is is tough because they're like the basket one so they pull it out and it's just like caked and stuff it's like it's flavor it's bacteria (laughs) (laughs) well everybody that was uh, the latest section of red's untold tale from once upon a time uh we are one third through the story now which is going great and i'm enjoying it a lot so far i'm excited to see where things go i do think we're gonna see rumpelstiltskin come into the picture and i am 
excited to see his behavior being interpreted not only through Red's point of view, but also through a competent author's point of view. <laughs> in a non, yeah, in a non, um, in a scene that's not been shown. Yeah. Like there's, there's a, so much more right possibility when you're not working within the constraints of a scene. Um, especially if this is known to be canon. So she must do a pretty good job if they're like, yep, absolutely shove it in there. So I look forward to that because I also look forward to like Red just being like, what is going on with this guy? Uh, okay. I like the idea that the, the wizard is like, it's like him spinning the cloak. Like it's just him under a serger, like making, (laughs) making the cloak. We put a little gold it. gold thread in there. You put in his little gold thread. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I look forward to that. There's got to be, I would say, Rumple, and I'm going to guess we're going to get snow in this. Well, like, we wouldn't get snow. I mean, we snow comes in, like, she's introduced to Red at the start of the show. Like, when, when Red and Snow first see each other, it's their first encounter. Right. I understand. But do we know when this book ends? No, we don't. Okay, it could very because, well end with that meeting, you know. Because I would have to assume that that it reaches like Peter's actual end game. Because I would love to know. I would love to see that through this book. I don't know if we're gonna get that far. Because I again, I don't know the context of the timeline. Like I don't know if like we're gonna open the chapter to be like, and then anyway, because well, I guess Snow is sleeping in the chicken coop with chickens, so they'll have to have gotten chickens before Snow shows up. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, chickens are pretty easy to find when you sell a bunch of muffins or a wedding cake. Or a wedding cake. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for the wedding cake. I'm so excited for whatever, like, chaos is about to unfold. Mm -hmm. Because we're getting, again, we're one third through the book. So we're one third through, like, the hero's journey. So we're about to get to the part where it starts getting really dark and nasty. Yeah. She's fallen and everything is great. Um, She's about about to Anakin it up a bit. About to Anakin it up. So this is great, guys. If you aren't already reading it, I do like I would recommend if you like Once Upon a Time, if you were a fan of Red's character, if you've been listening along and you've been I do think you would genuinely enjoy this. Like Beth has said a couple of times, it's easy read, meaning that it's just like it's it's not going to take up a a bunch of time, but it's also not going to take up like way too much brain space, but like in a good way. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to describe that without making it seem like an insult. Like, it's such a, it's a, it's a easy read seems weird. I'll think of a better term for it next year, next week. I best said next year, but next week, <laughs> a, 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 a different frame of mind. But, uh, yeah, having a good time. Beth, what are you reading otherwise? Are you reading anything else? Um, no, I mean, I'm trying to read the next book in, shoot, what's the name of the series? It's uh, the Southern Reach Trilogy. Um, uh, and Tim and I are going to start our own little book club. We're going to read Cannery Row because I am from the Salinas Monterey area, but I've never read a John Steinbeck book. So I felt like I should do that. So I'm going to do that. What about you, Abby? I'm currently reading, uh, the book by like John Green's latest book, Anthropocene in Review, which is just a series of essays that he's written. Um, and just like random things that he's given, um, five star or well, reviews based on a five-star rating which it's kind of fun if you are a fan of the green brothers at all i think or john green in general it's a fun book of essays it's nonfiction. it's just him blathering on it was the, i don't know when he wrote it i think he wrote it before covid no he didn't he wrote it after covid um i'm reading that and then i'm also i just started reading oh no the the fiction book i'm reading is i just picked it up it's like the roommate the great american roommate experiment something like that I'm only 50 pages in. It seems like a lot of fun. Just like a, uh, it has that kind of like, uh, da, da, da. you know, like the way novels look like rom-com books look now, like they're just a cartoon. Like it's like a flat mm-hmm. color and then like two cartoonish people on it. It seems yeah. to be the trend right now. They don't look mm-hmm. like books for like young adults or adults. They just look like children's books. Yeah. I'm not a fan of this style. But it's got one of those. It's got one of those covers mm-hmm. on it. It was buried in with all of the Tessa Bailey books. This woman is churning out like who's the who's the sci-fi author that churns out books really quickly? Sanderson? Is that right? Brian Sanderson? No. There's a sci-fi author that just churns out. He has so many books to his name. He just writes and writes and writes and writes. And apparently is very good author. 
Tessa Bailey has no fewer than 20 books on the shelf right now. Wow. They all, and I like some of her books. She wrote, um, just got off track. We're just talking book club now. She wrote a book called, uh, Hook, Line, and Sinker is the second book. The first one's called something else but it's based on she read she watched Shit's Creek and she really liked that apparently because it's a it's an heiress that loses her money and then has to go to like a small little fisherman village and she meets a guy with a beard <laughs> you know your basics oh yeah um, those are fun but yeah she writes a, apparently a thousand books so if you're a fan of Tessa Bailey there's a whole series of novels out there so that's what I'm reading well most of my free time is being spent playing Baldur's Gate 3 because I am obsessed and it is such a great game and I highly recommend it it's basically playing a video game version of Dungeons and Dragons and it'll actually help you better understand uh, tabletop RPGs as a genre so I do I want to play it um, I need to graduate college first because yeah. I based on some of the reviews from people that I'm very uh, that I trust highly online, I would forget to eat, sleep, bathe, take care of myself or my family if I started playing this game because um, I have no chill when it comes to video games that I enjoy. Oh, um, yeah. So I got to graduate and then I'm going to play it. I also need to get a, a gaming console in which I can put it on because right now mm-hmm. my PC, I'm going to use air quotes here, is is a MacBook Pro so I'm pretty yeah, sure that, if I tried to play Baldur's Gate on that, it would burst into flames. So. Yeah, I don't even think it's compatible on a Mac. Got to get a PS5, and then we could play together. Co-op. A, maybe, 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 uh, Baby Dragon's Letters to Santa. Because <laughs> <laughs> he has been, there's no games that he even wants to play. He's just like, can we get a PS5? He found out we had a PS3 and got super pumped. He was like, we have a PS3? I'm like, don't be that excited. <laughs> don't be that. It was real big deal when it came out, but now we just sort of have it because I don't know what else to do with it. We don't even, it just sits there. It looks nice. <laughs> it's pretty, I guess. Anyway, yes, so those, I'm reading, I want to play Baldur's Gate. I re, like, um, I've been playing Pikmin a little bit because that's easier to play. It's like uh-huh. one puzzle at a time and then I can just like put it down. Yeah. It's very important that I have good put down points with my games and my books right now <laughs> because if I don't, <laughs> I have no chill. It's like, well, straight on till morning. Let's go. Speaking of put down, uh, we are going to be doing the next three chapters of Reds Untold Tale for next week. Nine, it's- 10, and 11. That's yes? right. Okay. Yep. And we want to thank you guys for continuing to join us on this amazing journey in our Once Upon a Timing book club. Uh, there have been some great positive updates with the Writers Guild, uh, which is no longer on strike. And with SAG, which as of now, as of taping, it's they're still striking, but this could change very soon. There are negotiations happening and we're very excited to see it. So, you know, we're hoping that soon we're going to be able to, you know, feel comfortable returning back to the show we know and love, 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 love. Uh, But we will continue to do these episodes on our Patreon for our wonderful patrons. Oh, yeah, Uh, because we're for sure doing Regina Rising. Oh, 100%. For sure. you, You cannot stop me. It will happen, young Regina. Yes, I must have it. So we want to thank our patrons for your wonderful love and support during this journey, especially our Swan Queen patrons. This week's Patreon shout out goes to Erica Farrow. Thank you so much, Erica. If you want to join us on Patreon to continue the book club with us once we return to Once Upon a Time, you can join us at patreon.com slash Timing. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you get those podcasts. And you can join the Facebook group. That is at facebook.com slash groups slash Timing. We're going to be back next week with chapters 9, 10, and 11 of Red's Untold Tale. Maybe Violet will die. We don't know. Some chickens are dead. I'm assuming, like, a person's gonna happen at some point. Oh, a person's gonna die. I don't think Violet's gonna die until, I would say, the back half of this book. So if you do think she's put- gonna die? Oh, she's, for sure. If I had to if I had to put actual money down on something, it would be Violet dies. Violet dies for sure. I mean, I think, that I don't, I'm gonna say no just because she's a young woman and it's a little bit weird, but we'll see. We will find out. Yeah, if I didn't know the show, my money would have been on Granny. Because, mm. like, I think in a different world, it would always be Granny in, a, like, a Spider-Man-esque kind of death. What's, what's your big prediction? If you had a, dollars to donuts, 
Because you've already had one prediction go through the roof. Well, yeah, but I, I made I made another one, didn't Well, I made that Rumple is the wizard, which I think we kind of all assume is a given. Yeah. Um, Swing for the fences, though. Like, what, like... Uh, I think that maybe Beatrice. Okay. I think Beatrice, because she hasn't been, um, I th- she hasn't really, they don't really know a lot about her. Or it's going to be the pudgy kid that they mentioned once that Granny shamed. <laughs> oh no, that poor kid. <laughs> the nameless pudgy child. Well, we'll find out, everybody. And thank you again for joining us. And Abby, we'll see and read you next week. See you next week.